welcome to this episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. This is number 199 today. Usually I get to interview people, artists, teachers, authors, philanthropists of the regenerative movement, people who are committed to and showcase planetary purpose. And today's episode is a reshare of an episode I did with my good friend Simon File, who recently just started his own podcast with the Verity Foundation Timeless Talks podcast which is just about to launch actually. So he has been recording for a few weeks and months and is ready to throw his podcast out there with intergenerational interviews. And he had me on his show as one of the initial guests. He shared the audio with me and I'm happy to share it with all of you and give you quite a bit more insight into my story, my points of views, and some of the stories that I rarely ever shared anywhere else before. That's what happens when you do an interview with someone who is also a dear friend. And so here we go. I'm going to share this with you right away without any further ado. If you want to learn more about the Verity Foundation, you can do so in the show notes. I'll link it out. Uh, make sure to subscribe to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast and have a fun time with this episode. Okay, here we go. So here we are. We've got uh, Julian Gudelai from the Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast um, and a dear friend of mine. Man, thanks for jumping on here and giving us your time and your heart. Um, this is a new project that we've started with the Verity Foundation called the Timeless Talks podcast. Super stoked that you could be here. And uh, just a little bit of context, we're interviewing men of all ages uh, and boys with similar questions really to extract their own unique um, life lessons and experiences so that we can all share and learn from that uh, diverse conversation. So I'm really interested to hear more about you as a man and your experience as a boy and, and, uh, and really get to know you on a deeper, more intimate side and also share that with the world. Cause I think a lot of guys can benefit from your, from what you bring to the table and what you've gone through. And also like you're a woke ass dude. You know, I've known you for years and you're, I love your commitment to always, um, your commitment to growth and always pushing yourself and finding that edge. But it's always like, what, what I see is always with compassion. Like you're always pushing yourself to go there, but it's always a reminding yourself to be compassionate about everyone else. And that's something I really honor about you. And I think a lot of us could learn from you. So for this epic introduction. It's a yeah. I'm excited for this interview. Yeah, man. So let's just start off with, uh, um, just give us a simple little story. Where, where are you from? Uh, yeah, where did you grow up and, and what was your family like? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in Germany, in Europe, uh, southern Germany, between Munich and Frankfurt. Uh, I have a sister. I was uh, the second child. My parents are still happily married. Um, I had a very like beautiful childhood to be honest uh, most of my friends were living in like walking distance there's a big forest right behind our house um, you know if you were economically classified we're like upper middle class ish you know so my, my parents weren't really rich which was the advantage of not being too too spoiled but definitely like way privileged in a global context mm. and so you know, like if it, if it was school or kindergarten or any of these things, like we walked to school, like we, we biked to school, like early age. I mean, our parents probably went with us like once or twice. But then after that, it was just me and my, my, my dudes. Like, you know, I had a, a whole group of guy friends growing up from the age of four or five onward to like 16, 17, 18 until I, I, left, I left home for good, you know. And so um, we were just like a, a group of kids at first and a group of boys and then a, a group of young men that still like we're recording this on an Easter weekend so like over Easter I get through WhatsApp all these like hey how are you guys doing some photos from their families etc so I would say I grew up in a very protected but also so really free neighborhood and, and environment and I really cherish that like it comes back to me often now when I feel home in a place or home with a person or just feel like really relaxed uh, flashes of this childhood come back very often to me. Oh man, I can, uh, can totally relate to you on that sense. Like I could feel that when you're sharing it because it takes me back to little bike rides with the, the gang of dudes to school. And um, yeah, I really want to just go back there and be like, what was, 
what was Julian, little Julian like back in the day from say eight and then in, into the teens? What are some yeah, interesting questions? Probably, you know, asking my mom and my dad would be interesting too, but how did I, how do I see myself going back there? Mm. Um, you know, I think innocent is, is the first word that comes up. Ch children are usually innocent, but like we were just, I don't know, there was just like, there were, there were no drugs around where I grew up. It just wasn't really part of our cosmos. There was, um, at some point into teenagehood, there was alcohol and we kind of abused that a bit, but, but we were just like really kids for a long time. Uh, as an eight, nine year old, like I was playing soccer outdoors every day, literally. Like I would come home from school, I would do my homework or not do my homework. And then like either call up my best friend or he would already be at my door and we'd like kick a soccer ball or, or inline around and let's get around. And so that was like the normal thing to do in the summers for years, actually. Like if I think back of my childhood, there's Lego, there's stuff in the forest, like building little dams at the tiny river and there's, there's football. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, similar, similar path, but that's cool. Like, sounds like you always had sort of a tight knit community around football, but also like around your friend circle um, throughout your childhood. And that's, that's something special. Do you, do you still feel that in your life now? I feel that it's special because, you know, for me, it's just felt like also no like very normal. It felt very normal. Um, I think what makes sense to share with people that, that don't know me at this point is when I was 14, I had the desire to go abroad and my parents, uh, heard me out and then, and then said they'll support me. And so when I was 15, a year later, I actually left Germany for a full 12 months and went, uh, as an exchange student, went to Paraguay in South America and, uh, alone, um, lived in a host family, went to school there. And then I came back after a year, reintegrated as a teenager into the German school system, finished that, went to university, etc. But basically what happened in that age is I started realizing that my normal where I grew up was definitely not a normal for most people and children in the world. And so, you know, for anyone who's been to Germany or who even like grew up there, possibly you can imagine like the, this industrialized nation and then going to Paraguay and South America, which on, you know, all the uh, socioeconomic measurements kind of ranks as a, a rather poor country. But from a social dynamic, a family dynamic, and like just a cultural, like especially indigenous culture background, Paraguay was quite fascinating. And thanks for introducing me with, with such kind words, but like you said, I'm a, a woke-ass dude. And I think part of the wokeness was that happened in that year where I realized, oh, wow, the world is not as people told me. And most people that tell me how the world is haven't actually been abroad to the degree that I have had been as a 16-year-old. And I came back and I was like, wow. Most people just talk about things they don't even know. Most people, including leaders in economy, leaders in politics, leaders on the television, et cetera. And so for me, I kind of created this space inside myself and I didn't really meditate or, or practice yoga at that time consciously, but I created that space inside myself where I would just double check those like, proclaimed truths that came towards me into just my own cosmos of experience because really reality is, is nothing that, can be passed on through words. Words can be a metaphorical teaching, but reality is something you experience. Mm, yeah, man, I love that. Wow, that must have been an amazing experience at that age. Like, I cannot, I just go back and picture myself at that age, and I don't think I was ready for an adventure. What, what, like, what was the pivot, the change that made you go, this is something I want to do? Do you watch a, a show or? No, I didn't. Um, so now I can say this with confidence. Back then I would have probably worded that differently. I have the feeling that that was like a spirit, spiritual initiation. Mm. Something that like if you, if you dig this kind of narrative, you know, it's like a pre-birth kind of agreement for your lifetime. Uh, there's no logical reason why Paraguay, like literally, uh, maybe a little joke, you know, I picked Paraguay on, on like a list of preferences on, on third rank, Spain on first because my mom wanted me to not go too far. Uh, Panama too because I met a girl who told me about Panama and she was like this was amazing and she was a little bit older and really cute and so you know as a young boy I had a crush and was like Panama number two I'll follow, yeah I'll follow her across the world <laughs> I'll follow her across the world and then number three was Paraguay and you know the real reason was because I knew a soccer player who played for my favorite team who was <laughs> yeah and so that was like the ignorant stupid uh, ego me that that shows this and so logically there's very little reason of why I ended up there but then if you dig a little bit deeper, I mean, you know, 
I'm a very adventurous person. I have a very easy time with embracing change. I have, you know, just like this, this nonstop desire for life experience because I really think that's what we're in the body for. And Paraguay is fascinating because it has one of the richest indigenous cultures in the world and rich in the sense of it is included and integrated into their uh, current society. Now, I mean, you got to take that with, you know, um, a, a careful kind of lens because, of course, the whole world is globalizing. The whole world is kind of Americanizing through television. Nonetheless, the Guaranis, that's the name of the indigenous people in, in Paraguay, they were a very, very, like, had a very, very large population across the south of Brazil, Uruguay, Paraguay, some parts of Argentina and parts of Bolivia. And so that's now all concentrated to Paraguay. And actually all of the, even children and adults in, in Paraguay speak Spanish and Guarani as their second language. Wow. And so I was suddenly exposed to this like Spanish, which was new for me, which is what I wanted to, to learn, excuse me. English, which was, you know, spoken among me and the other exchange students. There was literally zero Germans. So I could not fall back onto my mother tongue. And then there was this weird ass native language that, you know, the reason I'm calling it that way is because as a teenager, I was definitely ignorant. I was learning through those experiences. And now like 20 years later, it makes quite a bit more sense to me and I can articulate it. But back then I was just like, this is a weird language. Like saying yes in Guarani is like a guttural from your belly, kind of like a, eh, like a, mm -hmm, almost, you know? And so back then I laughed about that and I learned a few words. But over time, I realized I was exposed to a form of cultural richness or indigenous richness of living closer to a form of harmony with nature that now in 2020 that we're recording this interview seems to be increasingly important if you look at the state of the world, if you look at the way we build relationships, is that we as humans find a higher degree of harmony with nature as we're seeing ourselves as nature and kind of you know integrate nature consciousness and technology into our modern society mm. yeah I, I love that you brought that up like uh, i did an interview recently with roman hannes from the paititi institute and he brought up um, this concept of living wisdom that it's this indigenous wisdom that uh, is is um, maybe more in alignment with some of the indigenous communities and cultures now is is accessible to all of us, but they are like a living example of that wisdom and a, and a direct lineage to it. So yeah, it's like, it's super powerful and, and important for us. And like, I think that so often we distance ourselves from it, like saying again, others or them, these indigenous, when it, it really is a living wisdom that's part of all of us on this planet, I believe, and that we all have access to it. And the indigenous cultures are, a thank goodness they're still here, but they are a living reminder of what's possible and like um, that connection on a deeper level. Yeah, beautifully put. I think to, to add to this, there's, you know, we moved away, we, we as humans moved away from the indigenous ways of living through agriculture, farming, uh, building societies at a larger scale, then the industrial revolution, building technologies. And so we we thought everything we're moving towards is simply progress. This is the better way to live, the better way to cultivate society, the better way to build relationships. But really, now that we're in this ecological kind of weird era, like the, the, the awkward days, you could almost call the you know, 1980s, 90s to the 2020s, because now we realize like we've created a lot of pollution and a lot of harm to the ecosystems, to each other, a lot of separation, people are hiding behind their screens. And so a lot of the progress that we were hailing as the better tomorrow, now we have a lot of this progress and it seems it's incomplete if it isn't taken into account a form of harmony with nature and a form of harmony with the teachings of nature. And so I don't believe in going back to the primitive indigenous ways of living. I believe in looking at these primitive ways of living and seeing primitive not as a label of, of a negative judgment, but seeing primitive as like, simple and simple as of like there is an intelligence of nature like no one has anything to do no human has anything to do with the sun raising every morning the sun rises every morning because we're part of a cosmic interplay that's that's part of the intelligence of nature and if you look at indigenous cultures or uh, funnily enough i have this pocketbook in front of me the Tao Te Ching, for example you know the teachings of the Tao speak about that as well and that's 
a way different angle on the planet is the ancient Chinese teachings that speak about the Tao being an intelligence or a, a form of energy that is always present. Yeah. And only when the humans chose to lean away from that to create everything from our minds, we started to create the separation. And so I think between the generations, between the cultures, this is one of the most important um, connectors actually is our, our connection to nature and the inherent wisdom and intelligence that's present in, in what I would call like the cosmic principle, because it goes beyond what even the smartest humans can, can really truly understand. I love that, man. Yeah. I think that there's a lot to learn in that. And I think that we're also being taught this lesson and this is a message that's coming through in these times during the coronavirus and the COVID-19 um, experience that we're having is like, what is the message that we can learn from nature? Now's the time to tap into that connectedness that we all have and really, um, really change our direction so that we're working simultaneously with that, um, that wisdom, with that law that's beneath it, beneath everything, you know, like there's, there is like a, an energy that is guiding us and that is, you know, causing the sun to rise every morning um, that we're connected to. And I think that we've distanced ourselves, like you said, very in a, in a intellectual, logical mind um, set that we're just now being like seeing the cause and effect of that. Like there is a, a cause and effect to everything. And we're seeing like, whoa, there's a, we're in a situation where we're in this, the cause or sorry, the effect is being shown. We're all experiencing it. And it's like, are we going to tip the scale the other way and start living more in harmony? And I think that's an, it's an amazing point. I'd love to like kind of lean that back into your experience and see like, how do you, cause I, I know with your podcast, you're doing a lot of work with raising awareness on global issues and regenerative processes and you're, you know, traveling the world and speaking and um, really continuing this conversation um, globally which I want to honor you for, but I also want to like question like, what does this sort of awareness um, mean to you on a daily basis? Hmm. Interesting question. So I think, let me, let me try to define my way into that answer. For me, it had to do with, with making most of these learnings myself. So going abroad, totally being hooked on going abroad. I learned to speak five languages fluently before I was 20 went to another country right before university, uh, like a lot of Europeans do, um, you know, and then like emigrated to Canada where you and I met and like spent, spent the last seven, eight years in, in, in Canada. And for me, really, it was just embracing life over and over again and learning and then applying what I've learned. Mm. Now, what I really think, quotation marks here, could be better in a societal kind of perspective is, is intergenerational passing on of wisdom and so this is literally why you guys started the podcast why you created the Verity Foundation to have lifelong learning embodied to have learning programs to you know listen to younger generations and older generations and so here's why I'm saying this is because I believe a lot of the learnings that I made on my individual kind of experience in cosmos you know some of that could have been passed on through a healthy elder culture some of that could have been passed on through a healthy healthy culture of listening mm -hmm. and so your question was about like, how does that like show up in every day and how do I, you know, how do I, I live with that now? And I think deep listening is like number one, because otherwise you're going to create a purpose or mission or vision from yourself of individual or your, your, your sense of individual self, right? Your, your ego in that sense. And so I don't believe there's anything wrong with the ego, but I really believe it's just the messenger. And if the ego is the, the driver or in the driver's seat, I think, we're able to create big harm in that sense, mm -hmm. socioeconomically speaking, ecologically speaking, and we're seeing a lot of those consequences. But if we are actually taking this daily and then this cultural space for, for listening, there's a, quite a different form of intelligence arising. And so the ancient yogis called that sunya, like deep listening, right? The Tao Te Ching calls it the Tao, the, the, the intelligence, um, we just talked about in indigenous and native cultures and possibly plant medicines that are being consumed that allow for this like pause, for this listening, for this letting spirit or another form of intelligence come through. And for me, that has taken um, like a great role in my daily life over the last 10 years and in, in, my, in my practice and ultimately led me to 
well, of course, everyday practice in a way so that I can show up with more energy and stronger in everything I'm embodying. And, and so my practice includes meditation, yoga, qigong, breath work, and all kinds of experimental things that, you know, I'm personally drawn to. But it led me overall to share more of this with the world. And so, you know, after different forms of collaboration, different career steps in, in marketing, digital marketing, uh, event management, um, all of that for, for almost a decade, two, three years ago, I started to, to, just, to just say, okay, I, it's time for a next chapter for me. And I didn't really start at zero, but I started out in, in you know, like very uncertain kind of uh, territory and started a podcast that's called Green Planet, Blue Planet. Very briefly, like my mission and vision is to make space for this, this, this understanding that the green planet is our planet Earth with a thriving flora and fauna. Right? Our planet Earth, when we've planted a trillion trees and we found uh, a balance point with the carbon cycle of, of, of the planet. Right? Mm -hmm. And the blue planet, much more obvious, uh, clean water, which where we are right now, we have a lot of work to do. And so within that body of work, I've done over 180 episodes. I do three episodes a week. You can find it anywhere out there on uh, any of the podcast apps. I've interviewed over 150 different individuals at this point. I've done a, a few episodes myself and had a few people back on the show and just I'm, I'm, I'm practicing that form of listening not just in the sense of daily practice in my meditation but also in the interbeing with other people to understand what's the wisdom and the work that's coming through people and so maybe surprising to some people but our current media landscape on a large scale is not reporting about these incredible people with incredible projects like for example I've recently interviewed um, a fellow with the name Samir Lakhani and Samir created something called Eco Soap Bank. And his entire uh, company is dedicated to take soap that is thrown out in the hotel industry, recycle that and make it available to people who, who actually don't have access to soap because their income level is below, um, you know, so low that they can't afford soap as a commodity. One of the many, many examples of like cool enterprises or cool endeavors that I've had on the show. And I believe those are the stories of humanities that, that are much more worth telling and much more worth sharing and, you know, coming back to my daily practice or my daily embodiment to spend my daily time with getting curious about learning from. And another example, just to, to give another second pragmatic example, um, someone that would be great for, for your show and, and the Verity Project as well, uh, Joel Solomon, who is a co-founder of Hollyhock uh, Learning Center out there in the Pacific Northwest on Cortez Island. Joel was on my show twice and he's, he's written a book about the green, the green slash clean money revolution. Um, you know, he's, he's co-founded Hollyhock Learning Center. And, and so he's quite a bit older than me at this point. And so there's a lot of learning that happens for me also in this podcast journey. Yeah, I can see that. That's like you've created um, almost a self mentoring program for yourself to like be able to connect with people, learn and to be able to share that knowledge, which I absolutely love that take. And I, I um, bringing this back to sort of like the men's work and the masculinity, I, I want to point out that the amount of work that you've done to like open yourself up and share is incredible. You know, like it, the general public population of men, at least the ones that I talk to and in my culture are not on a level of being like, it's time to share, it's time to, expose it's time to learn and open up and that's a lot of our focus in our work is to just being creating spaces where we can open up and find safe brothers that uh, we know won't shame us or humiliate us you know and how did you arrive in a place where you're obviously very um willing to go there like yeah, where, where was your friend groups as you grew up through like you said you had a really close knit um group of dudes or was that always like a very easy open environment or was that something that's changed recently yeah i love that question um let me sense into that answer so i think what's relevant to mention is you know like i see a lot of what's happening in life as as part of like consciousness expanding i, I believe that's that's why we're in a bodily experience is because we want to expand knowledge wisdom experiences and ideally bring that into harmony and so in that context 
you know, my journey is quite a bit different because I, I, as I said in the beginning, I went abroad quite early. And so when I came back to Germany and I finished school, I, I did get a university degree in one of the world's probably most evolved university systems. I didn't have to pay expensive money for it. Germany is largely tax paid for university. So it was very, very privileged with my access to education. And yet still at the end of that university degree, I realized the like quotation marks German dream is to then with a university degree, go into one of the big German companies, Bayer, Siemens, BMW, that, um, you know, God bless all the people who created these companies, but at large are still kind of polluting the environment and, and, and you know, uh, working on fossil fuels mainly, and not all of them. Uh, but, but so that was very present for me. And that was very obvious for me, having been to Paraguay, having been to another place of, in the world. And, you know, simply, challenging and questioning almost everything before I let it into my consciousness. And so that's what's guided me and is continuously guiding me, that awareness and that desire. And then, you know, my friend group growing up, like, yeah, we were, we were really open in, in many ways. Like still, we can talk about basically anything, but for most of my friends, um, and it's really beautiful to see, they have children now, they have a family. And so I'm privileged in the sense that I went through this education system and I went abroad, but I'm also currently privileged. I'm 32 at, at the moment of recording this. Uh, I don't have children yet. So I don't have the responsibility to say, oh, okay, pause. I need to create a very secure income to be able to care for myself, for my family and for others. I'm actually still in a situation where I can take quite a bit more risk because the only one suffering if something goes wrong would be me. And so you know, I've done things that worked out incredibly well. And, you know, our, our successes, like the podcast right now, reaching more than 10,000 people every month, growing an audience, getting bigger, etc. And I've done things that didn't go as well, especially economically. And so, you know, for me, it was always possible to like draw a line under it at the end and say, okay, I learned a lot moving on. But yeah. that's because I didn't have this uh, responsibility that a lot of people have. And so in that sense, let me add, add one more thing to it it f continues to fuel my desire for a world that works for everyone. Mm -hmm. And so what I mean with that is, you know, one of the people that I really have a high respect for, he, he passed away by now, is Buckminster Fuller and the work of Buckminster Fuller in the 20th century as an inventor and architect. And so Buckminster Fuller, there's two things he said. One is every child is born a genius, the process of life degeneses them. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I can see quite a bit of truth in that because we're not currently in our edu education paradigm enabling that genius of every individual to come out. And then what he also says is that if we were, or what he said is if we were to invest the money we're currently investing into weaponry, into livingry, we were already there and could create a planet that works for everyone. And so, you know, I have a lot of energy. And, and so this always kept me really um, captured and frustrated. And so I've chosen through meditation, yoga, mindfulness practice, some plant medicine experiences and, and just like this diligence of continuing to cultivate my own being, I've chosen to dedicate my energy into what I believe is the direction that is emerging, like the emerging future when we believe in that world that works for everyone. And just for context, the world that works for everyone is not a utopia where nothing goes wrong. It's just a world that, you know, where food, water, shelter, uh, and, and like some kind of social respect can work for everyone. And so yeah. I truly believe that's possible right here, right now. And I think our economic, social economic structures are preventing it from being a reality. And so the last thing I want to say to that is I've been part of quite a few leadership circles around the world, including the World Economic Forums, uh, Community of the Global Shapers, been to Davos in Switzerland to the World Economic Forums headquarter, uh, or like main event a few times. I've been at the headquarter too in Geneva. And I'll, I'll just say it like straight up. My experience is that even the leaders of the world in politics and economics, they don't really have a plan. It looks like they have a plan and it looks like they're incredibly educated and smart. And many of them are, and many of them are incredible humans, but there isn't really a full plan. There's more like we're playing this economic game. We're playing this political game and it's brought us away from the middle ages, but in the 21st century, it just, it's just not good enough anymore. And so we will need healthy elder structures. We will need a way to empower and encourage the genius in every child. And we will need uh, ways to get food, water, and shelter to every human being. And so I'm not suffering from the illusion that I can do this alone or I can do it overnight, but I believe this is part of why I'm incarnate on this planet is to 
do my best to be an example of the natural abundance of the universe. I, I love it and I can feel that. I'm sure everybody else can feel that you're a man um, on purpose, which I love. And I find that that's really trustworthy in someone, especially um, someone that believes in something and they're going towards it. Something that really stood out for me and what you shared was your willingness to fail um, and learn from it. And sometimes that's frustrating, which we can all experience, but also like, being able to get back up and do something with the option of, with having the option of failure be there always, always being present to the possibility that it might not work, um, but that you're just going to learn more and keep adapting. I think that that's a quality that a lot of us um, could use more of. And, and something that I've heard from, from some other elders about like, it's, it's about failing, failing better and getting better and better at failing. And I think when you brought that to the economic and the political level of us not having a plan, I see this deeply ingrained. And again, especially in the, in the masculine realm, this deeply ingrained um, fear of failure or fear of not knowing what to do. So we protect it by taking actions that are um, even going back further in the conversation, egoic from our individual self, like, I'm going to, we got to do this because it protects the thing I said yesterday when you know it's possible, like in your heart, you know, what you said yesterday wasn't really what you felt or what is, is best served. And I think that we've been acting so reactionary, covering up our steps to prove that we're not wrong what bef and not taking the time to really reflect and see that um, what we're doing isn't effective for all of humanity and all of all of the planet and beings that live on it. And I think that, yeah, what you said in terms of you being willing to fail is something that we're trying to do, um, that I'm really trying to help and, and coach men in men's work to recognize is that you said it yourself too. Nobody really knows what they're doing or has a plan. So like if we can expose that, and and relate and talk about it then we can actually make a plan but if we're all pretending that there's a plan that's being followed it's really hard to speak up or hold space um, to create an actual plan and i think that that's where that social economic that space where we are um we're just i mean i've seen it a lot on the internet recently like oh the sheeps are just following and we're following because we believe that there's a plan in place when there isn't and I, and I think that that's, it's devastating because we're putting so much energy towards things that aren't really servicing, serving us and bringing that back to an individual level. Um, a lot of men are suffering because they don't have a clear vision and plan in their life. So they're working hard towards something that they, they don't really want. And it's painful. And I, I've seen that in my own life. And I guess I want to bring that back to you in terms of, um, like you're learning so much on this, this path. Oh, short intermission. This is your host, Julian, for a short announcement. Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast is currently entirely self-funded from my private coaching practice and work in the world, speaking at events and teaching breathwork, meditation, as well as facilitating leadership programs. If you're at a place in your life where you're ready to level up, step forward and be all in, then this might just be for you. Have you considered hiring a coach or is it time to find someone who deeply cares for the same evolutionary revolution on our planet? If that's the case, I'm your guy. As a transformational coach, I've worked with hundreds of people at events and in person via weekly calls over various months. I'm in service to switch on humans just like you who are on the cutting edge of some of the most progressive stuff on planet Earth. And if that's not quite you yet, but that's the dream inside of you, then even more reason to reach out. Well, whether you are a successful entrepreneur, a startup founder, or an artist, I am here to support more people to deepen their planetary purpose. I've developed highly tailored coaching programs that are based on bringing out your gift into the world because I believe in a world in which we can empower and encourage all individuals to express their unique gifts. And all right, before we get back to the episode, make sure you visit my website, greenplanet-blueplanet.com slash mentorships. Or simply find your way there by clicking work with Julian and book a free consultation with me. And if you listen to the end of the episode, I will give away a discount for listeners only. So here we go. We're returning to today's episode. That you're on. 
how how do you deal with the unknown like i know that you have a plan in terms of you're on purpose and you're you're out there trying to discover and learn um but looking out like a year five years uh we're in we're in unprecedented times right now where most of the world's in quarantine like how do you handle personally that unknown it's a great question there are a few things that came up while you were sharing you know and maybe i can just start answering from that place so i think uh first about failing and dealing with that form of the unknown of, of failure every human being is equipped for it every human being at some place was crawling and couldn't walk because we're babies who are not born walking and every human being uh, unless they you know they out of medical reasons can't learn to walk and in that process we all fell down like hundreds of times and so you know it's a funny example but like no single human being was like yo i tried 111 times i'm gonna stop trying to learn to walk i'm gonna just crawl mm -hmm. and so that's just show that just shows us when we have a determination because everyone around us you know monkey see monkey do is walking i also want to learn how to walk so that level of confidence is actually available to all of us and we all have an a somatic experience and memory of it it's the process of life and the structures of life that currently are present that kind of discourage a lot of people this is the first thing that i wanted to add the second thing is in terms of there no one has a plan like i mean there are a lot of agendas but those agendas all correlate with the social economic structure and system and, and let me just call it the current economic capitalist game we're playing which i don't want to call it bad i just think it's shown that it's ripe for an evolution and so i think and this is starting to answer the actual question that you asked right now i think what we need for the capitalistic or social economic game is to add value param parameters to it that that don't make it a communist or social game like we, clearly we don't need that we, we've tried this and it, it turns totalitarian in many examples but that honors people and planet within the structures of profit so that people planet purpose are always part of profit so and now when we have that as a value system and every player within that uh, social economic um, game starts to pay attention to it starts to act towards that now we can deal with the uncertain in quite a different way mm -hmm. and so uncertainty is delicious from a certain angle because if you knew everything it wouldn't be fun to be alive if you had every meal you would ever eat in your lifetime right now right here you couldn't even physically eat this right so if you had every experience that you're going to have across your lifetime and every understanding and knowledge right here right now it would be overwhelming and useless like part of the fun is to expand into the unknown right and so that's i think like anchor number one is to bring that into the present again and again to realize it's actually fun to expand into the unknown and then second it's it's not as scary as it as it might look from the first glance like unknown is something natural right and uncertainty inspires us to a certain degree and when we take what i just said like people planet purpose profit as like the quadruple or triple bottom line uh, and, and I, I do believe, and this is part of what my work is aiming for, that within the next decade, we need to make this until 2030. It needs to be part of our global economic effort that we have this kind of people, planet, value system anchored in. Once you individually or at some point collectively have that kind of drive or that kind of clarity, the uncertainty in the future becomes quite a little, like quite a, a bit less scary. And so right now, if you're looking for purpose or if you're looking for creating something i mean what's going through most people's minds i want to make some money maybe i want to be famous maybe i want some people to acknowledge me maybe i want to have a big house or i can provide or i can look better than the neighbor and so while that made sense in you know the 50s to the 2000s now it, it doesn't really make that much sense anymore we know so many people that have achieved that who report that they're actually not happier right and a billion dollar leg see within one family is really hard to pass on to a second a third a fourth generation usually within the generations of passing on wealth it at some point declines and so the uncertainty that we're facing and really answering your question here the uncertainty i face every day i face it with a well a healthy dose of optimism a healthy dose of acknowledging what's still fucked up and not working in this world mm -hmm. 
And then what I said a little earlier, like a skill of listening and a, an ever evolving skill of listening to what is the emerging future showing us. And so there's much smarter people than me that worked on, 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 on contexts like the emerging future. So for example, Otto Scharmer from the, the MIT Institute in Boston, um, he's written a book called Theory U. He's talked uh, you know, elaborately about the emerging future and how to sense and listen to it. And so the emerging future is like a future that is coming up or towards us that we can already kind of grasp, right? So 20 years ago, we were grasping a future of the internet changing things or we were grasping a more and more globalized world being way different than the world 50 years ago. Right now, we can grasp a future of, you know, especially you just said it within quarantine, uh, a future that might never go back to the times as they were before, or we can grasp that through our technological interconnection, like massive shifts will come in this next 10 years. And we can also grasp that unless we, you know, come into alignment with, uh, again, the natural intelligence, we will create havoc on this planet's ecosystem. And the biggest detriment will probably be for our own species because yeah. oh, sea levels rising, pollution, etc. And so when we're making space to listen to that, when we acknowledge what's not working and don't stay ignorant and uninformed, and when we choose a healthy dose of optimism, and so this is what happens to me basically on a daily basis, and some days I'm good at it, some days I'm not so good at it, then there is a sense of not really a plan, but an emerging future. And one can connect to that. And so not everyone needs to, you know, do what I did and quit their job and just be an adventurer and try to figure it out on the go. But maybe the time that you invest into what kind of job would serve both you and your family and also the planet, or what kind of hobbies or social networks you can find um, beyond your job rather than Netflix and alcohol or other substances to dull yourself. I think these are the starting points, right? Because there isn't really like a, this is the right way, this is the wrong way. There's just, this is the old way, which we've seen the consequences. And we know we kind of need a new way. And in order for that, when we do something new, by definition, we need to stop doing something old and make space for something new. I love that. I love that you, uh, I love that you didn't jump into like, how you deal with the unknown is like, you know, try to find an answer. I love that your answers were like, be optimistic that this is happening for a reason and that the unknown is natural, you said, and um, accepting it because it's like trusting in that emerging, emerging future and accepting it allows me to step into it with grace. But it really felt though, as you were sharing that, that the slowing down and like the taking the breath and the deep listening is a big part of moving um, intentionally and with response versus this reactionary like automatic reflex that has gotten us you know into a lot of trouble as humanity. So I really love that you brought that up as you're talking talking about the sort of uh, future and past and what's to come. I'd love to switch gears a little bit and lean into. Um, the intergenerational aspect of this conversation, which is you're 32, you said, right? And I mean, you've traveled the world, you've got tons of experiences under your belt. And I'd love to hear what you have to say to our senior generation. It could be advice or any words that you would want to share with um, men that are our are, are seniors that, um, yeah, may benefit from your words. Wow. I've never been asked that in that way. Um, I think if I were to direct something to the gene, this senior generation, I would say, you know, we, we see you, we need you. I love that. Because, you know, like we have this fucked up and, and I'm just choosing to swear on your show, but we have this fucked up um, way in our society that we, we value youth and beauty, which isn't wrong, but, I value my grandparents. I value especially older men. I also value older women, but especially older men that like hold themselves with a grace of internal youth that can both listen because life's taught them more than it's taught me so far. But, but they're also curious to see what's coming through the youth. I value that a lot. And I value, uh, you know, I think I'm just like really like, 
pro-life and I think that has an inherent meaning I don't mean that I just mean pro-life in the sense of like life like I value everyone that's alive and on all those perspectives you know like something that I could have added to all the elaboration right before this question is basically we need to go from ecosystem to ecosystem, right? Mm -hmm. And so part of the ecosystem are those other generations. And it's not just about being young, sexy and healthy. It's actually about having a youthful energy or a, a healthy slash sexy energy throughout all of life. And when it comes to that, I don't believe you can achieve that alone. You can only achieve that together. And so, what I'd say to the older generation is like, possibly like, I want to hear more from you, mm. you know, like I want to hear more from you in the sense of like, yeah, some stories, they're always fun, but also like the things that, you know, maybe now you see that like yeah. we're wrong over the past and that you hope for the future or the things where you're like, yo, you young kids don't get it. Or I, I have, you know, I'm no stranger to, to adversity of, of like opinions. Like I, I think controversy yeah. is quite a good thing because if everyone is just echoing the same opinion, like uh, that usually means you got to invite some new people into your, your cosmos. I totally agree. I think that when you started that off with, we, we love you and we need you. And then that kind of developed into like, stay youthful and, and you are so valuable. Like we are, and I can relate, like I'm craving the input from our seniors and our elders and like, wanting that dialogue but i think in a world where we've segregated that generation and further isolated them from technology because of whatever reasons it could be their personal reasons for not um, leaning into the skills that are needed or however that's played out i don't i don't have a lot of um, friends in the senior generation but I, I really want them to be involved more in my life and i want to hear their message and that's part of this project so has a beautiful message. Um, I'll be happy to pass it on. And one thing that we've heard from a, a couple of our senior men that we've interviewed is uh, some advice for our generation, which was uh, don't forget to have fun. No matter what, don't forget to have fun. And I want to pass that on to you because uh, I think it, it's been an important lesson that hit me hard. And yeah. Love it, man. I mean, you know, now that you're saying this, another answer I could have given you about how do you face uncertainty is when you realize that, you know, purpose plus play, that actually equals prosperity. When you're able to find purpose in what you're doing for yourself, for the people around you, for the planet, right? The triple bottom line that I mentioned, but you're having fun with it, it will create an abundance slash prosperous ride. And I, like, I've experienced this over and over again. The hard moments are when I think I need to do something and I hate doing it, and then I wonder why I'm not getting the results I wanted. And the great moments in my life are when I'm doing something and it's so playfully fun, and then suddenly like, life is like, oh yeah, meet that person, and oh wow, have reach another 5,000 people because that person just shared it, or whatever it is. Like The moment you have fun with your purpose, things start, like you know catalyzing quite a bit more yeah. so i'm happy to hear that and i know such yeah more of that such good stuff so let's jump into the 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 other generation on the other side of us and and maybe what type of advice you would have to pass on to them that are you know we're we're basically handing over the torch to them um soon hmm, interesting to the younger generation. Uh, I love the, those questions, Simon, this is great. So I would say that my life and my work, my life's work is dedicated to empower and encourage all individuals to express their unique gifts into the world. Mm -hmm. And so the younger generation, I want everyone who hears this to understand and feel that there's a unique gift in everyone. And, you know, for those who have listened to this entire episode, it might be really clear, like there is a fundamental paradigm shift between humans being machines and production factors and therefore being irrelevant before they're 15 because they don't know shit or are irrelevant after they're 65 because they're not a production factor anymore. The paradigm shift is away from that, the Newtonian way of seeing the universe to the quantum way of seeing the universe where 
you know, a lot more is possible uh, because we're not just matter and atoms, we're actually energy. And so I think that's what I would pass on to the younger generations is, is like, there's a gift in you, let your curiosity guide you there, respect some of the boundaries from the older generations and healthily challenge them. But ultimately, like, dedicate yourself to create a world that is, an, you know, I said it, like, not an ego-verse, uh, but an, an, an eco-verse in that sense. Mm. Yeah, I can, I can relate to that. Like, I like the, the unique, um, you know, trust yourself, listen, and, and really lean into creating a, a planet that you want, you know? Um, I think that I know for me in my youth, I did not have any real conscious mentors or anybody guiding me that was like, had my best interests uh, in mind. Um, and having someone really support me in my own unique growth would have um, sped up my evolution. Let's just say that. So I think those are great words of wisdom. And um, I think that the youth can really, I think that my perspective is that we're seeing a generation that has so many amazing skills and innovation and imagination um, that, to learn from. And I think that where we're inhibiting them is when we're imposing our um, pre-existing values of like hard work or how things should be done on them. And I think the best thing we can do is really encourage their unique skill sets and individuality and support them into, into this world, like help them create the world that's needed because it, there's an awareness and in integral wisdom that they carry that we could all learn from. Um, and I'm, I'm excited about the new generation that's coming behind us. And I, I really want to, um, support them more. So I'm happy that you're now that you're saying this, I'm excited too. one more thing to the younger generation. You know, we, I mentioned this earlier, like a world where science and spirituality can connect a world where nature and technology can connect. So in that sense, you know, let technology inspire you and also make nature one of your primary teachers because the intelligence that in, that's inherent mm. in the biological world around us and the biological world in which we're, we're in, you know, uh, I think is, it's ever present when we learn to listen to it. And especially to all the kids that are in school right now, like we're not necessarily learning this in all education paradigms. And so yeah. that's maybe another one I would share there. I like that, man. Cause like my, in my generation, it sounds like yours growing up with the forest behind your house and, the exploration and not having to worry about Facebook and social media and having a cell phone till I was graduated, like um, allowed me to connect with, with nature and really learn that. Not that I used that lessons that I learned um, in that, in that time, but I really, I really love that, like connect with the technology and the science that's available to you, but don't forget about the science that is in everything, including yourself. Yeah, I think this is great. I think there's a, almost like a, a timestamp to every person when we ask them when technology came into their life. Like, for example, I was seven or eight when I received my first Game Boy. I was 12 or 13 when I had my first desktop computer with floppy disks and like really shitty modem internet. And I was 14 when I had my first cell phone. Now this timestamps me, but it, it also shows like until I was seven or eight, I didn't even have a Game Boy. It, it just meant like I just played outside every day, right? And so I was born in 87. Anyone born 1990 or later probably had all this stuff around them all the time. And so it, it's entirely different than anyone who was way older than me that received their first cell phone when they're 40 or, or even 50, right? Yeah, really interesting to see that. And um, just interesting the different levels of wisdom because of of how technology is related to how we share, you know, now, like this is our platform for sharing. And I think that, um, I, I love the programs that are bringing people back into the technology of nature and, and leaving this on the desktop for a while and getting kids and, and adults and seniors out into the forest to learn. I think yeah, that's really like cool. most, like most things in moderation, right? I mean, if you, if you're able to feed from, all elements you're most likely going to be quite balanced on this there's one more thing that's coming to mind right now Sam, that i'd like to share and so this is something not, not a lot of people are, are like 
fully aware of, but in 2020, this is a World Economic Forum statistic, 50% of the world's population are 27 years old or younger. Wow. All right. So that means me with being 32, even though most people, when they see me, they're like, oh, you're a young person. So, like, you know, it's like, well, actually, I'm, I'm part of the older half of the planet at this point. And so a lot of, you know, people in the very privileged Western world are like, well, but most of those people are in India, Africa, and parts of Asia. And it's like, yeah, that's true. But that doesn't, that doesn't change that the fact is there is a, a whole half of the planet's population that's 27 and younger, which in turn means they all grew up with the internet being normality. They all grew up with satellites and space being a normality. And so the consciousness of that generation is much more aware of the interconnection. The baggage might be in the DNA in terms of epigenetic factors of, of you know, like trauma and like passed on uh, things. But it's not like a, the older generations, you know, that, that just still witness a lot of abuse in the physical body through teachers, the school, the workplace, etc. So there's a whole half of the planet that's basically ready and waiting to say, hey, we believe in this interconnected world. We believe in this world where, where we can reach everyone with one click, you know? And so yeah. I think there's a big opportunity when we organize ourselves in a way that allows for an emerging future that has the health of the planet and the health of the people at heart. Amazing, man. Thank you for that. It was a epic message to pass on. I mean, for me personally, and uh, for everybody that's listening and the, and the generation that's, that's coming behind us. So um, I really want to honor you for the work that you're doing with Green Planet, Blue Planet, and personally, um, I respect you as a human, a leader, and a friend. And uh, yeah, man, keep doing the keep doing good work. Um, thanks for your time and sharing. Can't wait to share this with with seniors and and our youth. Um, I think there's tons of good golden nuggets in this interview. So um, yeah, much gratitude, lots of love, and thank you very much. Thank you so much, Simon. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening and here we are again. This is your host Julian. I hope you truly enjoyed this episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast and received some insights and knowledge for your life, relationships and business. If you love Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, make sure to subscribe, leave a review that really allows this podcast to reach a broader audience and share it with a friend. Let me also remind you that this podcast is currently entirely self-funded. I'm a transformational coach and mentor, a breathwork guide, and want to offer all my listeners a full 10% off my private coaching work. That is as much as $500 for a three-month program, and this discount applies for all one-on-one -on -one coaching offers, as well as some select coaching groups that I host in person. If you're curious and interested, make sure to visit the website greenplanet-blueplanet.com and click Work with Julian. Let me tell you a little bit more about my planetary purpose and leadership programs. I am committed to accelerating our human tribe, going deep into unconditioning the blocking beliefs and blind spots, enabling your gifts and clarity to amplify for aligned business, healthy relationships and overall presence with life. I have worked with hundreds of people across the world, either one-on-one -on -one in small coaching groups on, online or in-person at events. It is my gift to boost authentic confidence and guide you while asking the deepest questions that get you to address your dormant potential. I am an activator and catalyst for those who are ready to step into the highest version of themselves. We live in unique times and let me tell you from experience, having a coach makes a massive difference. I specialize on supporting successful entrepreneurs in unpacking their purpose and joy of life. I do work with startup entrepreneurs and artists as well and on request, I host individual breathwork mentorships. If you want to learn more, how to support the show, or suggest a guest, you can also simply send me an email. If you want to take advantage of the offer I just mentioned and claim the 10% discount, simply book a free consultation with me through my website, that is greenplanet-blueplanet.com mentorships, and mention the end of episode discount, and I'll give the discount code to you right here, right now, it's 808. That's right, that's your code right here, right now, 808. Mention it to me in our free consultation that you can book by the website and 10% are yours. 
That being said, thank you so much for listening today. Have yourself an amazing day. Don't forget to hit subscribe, review the show, and share it with a friend. Mm -hmm.